please turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 27. It's on page 1,781. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Thank you, Kathy. Our text is uh, verse 22, where he says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Congregation of Jesus Christ, our text this morning is a particular Reformed understanding of ministry and it's, it's good to think about today, as, as yesterday was not a Halloween, actually. It was Reformation Day, October 31. And so to be reminded of the history and also of how the history draws us back into the Word of God. Our title for the message this morning is to be always reforming. And that's not just in the past, that, that there's always a need to, to reform our lives, to, to adjust, to change in, in response to our culture, in response to God's word, in response to God's will. There's, there's just a, a real biblical sense of that, and especially here, uh, many places, but here it comes out beautifully, 1 Corinthians 9, and it challenges us. As Christians today, as church today, how do we continue to, to just be that always reforming presence of the gospel to engage a changing world in need of salvation? To do what we need to, to be always reforming, to win as many for the gospel. 
Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 9 here, it, it talks of winning people. Five times he mentions. And so the, the goal of the gospel is very clear. The goal of, of, of the faith to go out, to, to bring the good news to those who have never heard, to continue to encourage people in the good news of faith. And that is central to what we are called to do. It's a work of God, of course. God, by his grace, works in people's lives. But God, in grace, decides to work through us, through you and me, through the church, to do this work. So here in 1 Corinthians 9, it it lists how the Apostle Paul felt God was calling him to do that work. And it, it expresses how he, he made adjustments to bringing that central message to be an effective servant of Christ. So to the Jews, he became like a Jew. And, and when, when he adds there in verse uh, uh, 20, those, the Jews were under the law. They, they felt too, guided, directed by the law. And so... Ministering to the Jews, he became like them. To the Gentiles, those who didn't know anything about the law, that's the Gentiles. Verse 21, those not having the law. So Jew and Gentile. So you minister differently to them as you bring the gospel. You change ways of expressing it. The gospel remains the same, but you, you change the approach the way of engaging them. And then he adds, verse 22, the weak. Uh, He became like the weak to reach them. And and I'll explain that in just a minute. But what what he is saying is, he is talking about change, the becoming, becoming like them in the way of having them receive the gospel. That's the goal. To make the necessary changes so that they will be able to receive the gospel. Now, what's an example of that? And, and thinking biblically, there is a, an amazing example, a, a profound example of that. Let me ask you, why do we have, if we're talking about sharing the gospel with people, why do we have four gospels in the Bible? There's only one gospel Jesus Christ the Savior. But we have four versions in the Bible. Four different ones. Why do we have that? Matthew, I become a Jew to reach the Jews. The gospel of Matthew is focused on a Jewish listener. It's the same gospel of Jesus Christ. But it has, if you compare Matthew to Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew has all kinds, many, many, many Old Testament quotes from the Hebrew, from the Torah. And so Matthew is writing about Jesus and telling the Jews about Jesus and using all the things that the Jews would know. They would know the Torah. They would know those Old Testament passages. So in Matthew, quote after quote after quote after quote to reach the Jews. That's the change. The gospel's the same. 
in Luke, you don't have nearly as many Old Testament quotes. Luke is written to the Gentiles. They wouldn't know those Old Testament quotes. You can quote the Old Testament at them all day and they are just falling asleep. They couldn't care. It doesn't do a thing. You have to change the presentation. And so Luke is written in very fine, high-quality, technical Greek language, very flowery and very reasonable, rational, very much explaining. This is who Jesus was. This is the day when he went here. This is what he did. This is what it was like. And Luke is a doctor, and he talks about the medical things that Jesus did and talked about and healed. And, and people who read Luke, Greek people who know the good Greek language, and they say, boy, this is beautifully written. This is a very clear and reasonable and rational, and in it all, Jesus, the hope of the gospel. And so Luke presents for the Gentiles becoming like a Gentile to save Gentiles. And Luke even goes on. Luke writes the book of Acts. And there again, he continues to explain what Jesus did, explain where they went, what they ministered to, and how that all worked out. Very, very rational, very clear, very reasonable, very understandable, so that. The Greek culture would believe, that's why. But what about people? What about people just generally in the, in the land of Israel or, or generally the poor people, the weak, who couldn't read that fancy Greek? The Gospel of John is Greek at the grade four level. Very simple Greek. I see Jesus. I see Jesus sit. I see Jesus walk. Very simple. So the weak. You make the gospel weak. You address the weakness. So that people can understand the gospel. You become what's necessary to save so, so there's the, the first very profound example of, of what Paul is saying here. We are required to adjust our bringing the message to those who we are trying to reach. God wants us to do that, and especially as the Reformation uh, took place, that, that we had to have that much more in focus. Um, another verse, 1 Corinthians 10, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 10, reading from 1 Corinthians 9, but in chapter 10, uh, what Anne quoted, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, and that became a phrase of the Reformation, do all to the glory of God, glory to God, uh, give no offense to Jews or Greeks. So you have to think about, okay, you're bringing the gospel, but yeah, they, they have to have it in a way that they're not offended, that they understand. So that's a real challenge. 
just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of those many, that they might be saved. The imitators of me as I am of Christ. So that's the continuing challenge for us as, as we think about too, what, what does God call us to, to bring the gospel? And then one of the biggest things that hinders that is in our day too, you and I, we like things to stay the same. That, that we don't really want to. Yeah, the gospels can be adjusted and, and that's fine, but, but when it comes to us now seeking to bring the gospel, be relevant, be a real voice of Christ, we say, well, well maybe, but really don't change anything. Everything has to stay the same. But through the Reformation, that was a major change. And at the heart of it is that we always need to be ready to, to make the adjustments we need for the sake of the gospel. And that, that is for two reasons. The first reason is because we are sinful people. We, we tend to just, just hang on to the same and, and make sure that we are comfortable and, and not not to entertain the thoughts about, well, maybe we need to do things different. Maybe we need to do things better. Maybe we need to, to just think it through again. How are we going to be that gospel witness? And so we lose sight of our calling, and, and, and we just, just say, well, we're not changing, and that's all there's to it. So that, that reality of sin in us, of... of that's something that has to continually be challenged. And then the second thing, because who is God? God is a living God. God is not bound by tradition or practice. God has spoken his word in a diverse culture throughout history. And the church, with confidence, has always gone out with that word in changing cultures. And, and so we receive the wisdom from the past, we, we understand it, take hold of those central truths, but then to live it out as the living God calls us by the Spirit, that third part of the Nicene Creed, the Spirit who leads us, continues to guide us by God's Word into our generation, that we would win people for Christ. So that's, that's the challenge. And that's something that we need to just continue to reflect on. Let me give you just two examples of how that has worked through uh, the ages. This is sinking from the Reformation time until now. And this is in the area of music. And there's always been plenty of discussion and pushback around music. And so what, what happened? In the Reformation, uh, music... In the, in, the, in the Catholic Church at the time, there was, was very little congregational singing. The priest would chant, like I would chant things up here and you would listen. And then there might be a choir and a choir would sing, but that was it. So in the Reformation, congregational singing started again. People actually came and sat and sang songs together, and especially the Psalms of the Bible, a, a very biblical grounding. What songs should we sing? Well, we'll sing the songs of the Bible, which are the Psalms. 
And so psalm singing in the Reformed churches was always very strong, very central. And if you still go to some very, very conservative Reformed churches, they will still have that. Only psalms. That's all. Because that's, that's singing the songs of the Bible. Now, at the time of the Reformation, they, they took those psalms, and those psalms had tunes. They had Hebrew tunes. If you really wanted to get back to how those songs were sung, you would have to get back to the Hebrew tunes that were sung in the temple in Jerusalem. But they didn't do that. They added the Genevan tunes. They made a change. They took tunes of the day. So they took the Psalms, and, and not even so much word for word, but but. Definitely the idea, the, the themes of every psalm, every section of the psalm were, were put into just nice rhymes and then they were given modern tunes. Like, like if we put like the modern country tunes, Christian songs to some modern country tunes. And they sang them in church. And that became very engaging for the culture. They were able to win people for Christ because the gospel was being proclaimed, the biblical truth, in a way that people, and people loved to sing together, but they couldn't before, and now they could, and they had songs they could sing and tunes they knew, and they came together, and a beautiful ministry of music developed, saving people in their time. Now, the next step, like as we think about this, we think too, uh, well, who was playing while they were singing? Well, no one was playing because no one was allowed to play. So Kyle and Anita and Tina and everybody out of work because we, and we just get somebody up here, the Vorzunger, the leader, and he just starts or she just starts. We sing without music because all of that musical pahu we don't need. We just need the human voice and, and we'll sing. And that's all that glorifies God. But that had to change too. That reaction against the, the Catholic Church with the organs and things. And, and so then they started to include instruments. And based on the Bible, Psalm 150, all kinds of instruments mentioned there, and there became more and more openness to accompaniment, and that spoke to the people, yeah, through, through the next uh, the Renaissance time, and, and, and people, people in the culture who appreciated music and, and, and the great music of the ages, and that music of, of Bach and Beethoven came into the church. And people had beautiful accompaniment. And, and people came just through the music to understand the gospel, to understand the faith, to win people to Christ. So, so changes have been made through history till today. We have now, too, the drums and, and guitars and, and the more modern instruments have come in. It's, it's been a challenge. People say, should we, shouldn't we, can we, can't we? It's always discussed. And even, yeah, having the drums. And, and so 
Okay, what do we do? Well, the, the goal is to reach people with the gospel. That's the goal. And in our culture, things like this are normal, are fine, are just part of singing, music. This is how we can praise the Lord. And so just carefully, we seek to also continue to, to have people lift their hearts in worship in ways that, that really encourage and, and, and help and inspire and, and draw people in who wouldn't otherwise come in. Because our God wants to reach people in our culture. And it's still a challenge. Still a challenge for us today. Uh, I do want to point out that, that there, there has been a nice, a nice uh, well, well, just uh, the underlying purpose of the Reformation too is that, that, that all of this would get the Bible, get the gospel, get things clearly out to people. And so one of the hallmarks of modern music, modern songs that are written now, in contrast to, to back at the Reformation when they took the Psalms and they, they changed the words around to fit the tune. Now, the modern people who are writing Christian songs have so much respect for the Word of God that they have the words exactly from the Bible. And then they work the tune to fit. Because the, the word is central. And so if you see many of the modern songs, many of the modern praise and worship songs, they are exactly word for word verses from the Bible. And then the music is set to fit God's word. That's nice. That's very nice. So the, the centrality of the truth of the word of the gospel is what we hold to as, a, as the Reformation's vision, and yet always seeking to, to make it new and fresh and engaging for the culture. So that, in the area of music, continues to challenge us. We, we need to just continue to be uh, looking at that and working with that carefully and well. Uh, a second example, more in terms of ministry itself, with uh, like one of our ministries, the Back to God Ministries International, it it takes this vision of being uh, all things to all people. It takes the gospel and it it is working in nine different languages and and all different people groups, and and it takes that gospel. And if you ask how they're doing things in in all the different cultures and languages, they do it a little different. And it just, it just depends what's most effective and what's most helpful and what's most, most workable. And so, so in, in, in some of the, the more closed countries, like, like China, they, they use cell phone Bible studies. And, and they, they just try to get that out and, and connect with people. And, and how does that work exactly? Well, that's the way that it works there. So the gospel goes out that way. Uh, the Horlings in Nigeria still hand out thousands and thousands and thousands of today booklets. Well, that's a different way of doing it. But that works. It works there. And so to take the gospel and to make it 
so that it reaches people. And that's the Back to God Ministries motivation as it seeks to do you know, all the, the social media things the, the, and all of the technical and all of the basic things as well. But the picture is too, we, we have the central truth, the central truth of the gospel, and we hold on to that. And the, the statements, there are three central statements. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Those were the three that, that that's, that's the gospel we preach. And then two others were always with it, uh, underlying it. Uh, it's always based on God's word alone. That's where our, our hope comes from. And, and our goal is God's glory. So those five are always central, unchangeable, and God's word continues to guide us in how then we can make that by the Spirit impact our culture. We try to do that examples right here, just in our church. Uh, we have a fair amount of congregational participation. People come and do things. That's, in our culture, very helpful. It wasn't that way in the past. I just did everything. So we are trying to adjust, and it, it works, and it's encouraging. It's encouraging for those who, who help. It's encouraging for those who, who see how a church works together. So we try to do that, and I invite you to see too if you want to take part in worship. We do more with the church year, like we always have an Advent and a Lent season, right? And we think maybe, well, that's just normal, but that wasn't done. It wasn't done. I would just preach up till Christmas on, on whatever we were looking at, and then we'd have Christmas, and then I'd preach until Easter, and then we'd just have Easter. There wouldn't be specific Advent. There wouldn't be Lent. So, so we draw these things in. Also, celebrating the Lord's Supper a little more often. That's something that's just, yeah, Seeing its importance. To have the kids up here. That was never done. So you continue to look at how we minister, how we as a church present the gospel, and we make adjustments. Even you have received its evaluation in regard to the place and effectiveness of the second service. So there again, we, we, we are seeking to minister here to the glory of God. So we, we want to reflect on that together. And how can we just be that effective ministering body? So these are examples of how we seek to live out these, uh, this truth that we are always reforming. We're always basing our, our decisions on what would be best to God's glory and that people would be encouraged and drawn to faith. Let's pray together. God of grace and truth, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that gives us wisdom and understanding and faith. We thank you that we can uh, love and study your word and pursue knowing you better through it. And that as our faith,
continues to be lived out, we pray that you would work in us by your grace for your glory, that we would praise you in our song and be encouraged one another as we do so, that we would bring the good news to a world in need in ways that touch and work in all different cultures, that we might also continue to be a effective ministering body here as we seek to show your love to one another and to our community. And we ask that by your grace, you would work in and through us. Forgive us when we are weak and sinful. Help us to do your will more and more to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.